Under the Helmet. You'll do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. It's the moment right here. We're going to have to decide what, what type of team we want to be. Building Dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. I'm telling you, man, you're leading the league in hydration. I got a Dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Katie Flower. You may beat me, but you will not outwork me. Tim Torch. There's only one winner, Chad. Find their written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Welcome down to the helmet. Looking at some long-term player value in fantasy football. Got Katie Flower here. I am Chad Parsons. UTHDynasty.com is the home to all the written content, rankings, metrics, everything you need, trade calculator to dominate. Coming up now on the offseason, we've got two weeks left. And Katie, there's a crackle in the air. We were just talking about the Senior Bowl and putting in for media credentials, but also looking into Senior Bowl rosters and getting some lodging going. And also just looking into the off season of draft season, baby, is kind of the trigger of it's close. It's close to the different part of the year, the eight months where it's team building, it's draft prep, it's all of those things. But we still have two games going on as we record this. It is a wild week 15 and we have Tuesday games. Uh, It was weird finishing Sunday. We had four games left, a lot of incompletes for matchups where usually a lot of things are decided by that point. It's like, well, maybe it's a likely win. It's a likely loss, whatever. Um, It's kind of this weird interim period for me. And here we are right before Christmas, two weeks left of the fantasy season. But frankly, waivers, trading, there's a lot of minimal activity out there. It's an interesting space in which we live right now. I have never been more thankful to have finished first or second in so many of my leagues that I did not have to set a lineup or participate in this crazy week 15. I, I am in the playoffs in, I did have to set some lineups and to see Tom Brady score 4.68 points or to see some of these, you know, Mike Evans, 2.34 and the guys that you've had as reliable all this time. And all of a sudden Najee Harris has a bad game. It's just been a crazy, crazy week you're ahead or you're behind and any one player can make a huge difference. And so going into tonight and the fact that we have four teams still out there, there's a lot of variations that can happen. And like I said, I've never been more glad to have a first round buy in a lot of my leagues. Yeah. It's a huge advantage, but also just seeing the carnage. And we, we knew this Last week, I mean, it started with, I remember Austin Eckler, you know, it started with, uh, are we going to have him on Thursday? seems like a long time ago. That was the big Travis Kelsey game, the big Tyreek Hill game, Mahomes. And so that's how the week started. And it feels like nine, 10 days ago, but here we are finishing out the week. And just like you, I mean, the ones where you can look into the waiver wire, Hey, let me see how things are looking for week 16. Cause I got to buy yeah, like you said, Thanksgiving, Christmas. I'm just thankful in general for for having those lineups that I don't have to set because you could score low and win, you could score high and lose. It's all over the place um, this week and the the head to head one week sample size. Um, what do you think about the head to head format, traditional, let's call it, versus we play in some some interesting leagues where you do things like you feed out of all play in week 15, then you do a two week 
you know, points tournament or home field advantage. Are you open to tweaks like that? Is that something that if you joined a new league, you would prefer, or do you like the the head to head straight, you know, six teams to four to, to two type format? Considering the fact that it happens every single year, whether it's a COVID year or not, you got a guy like Derek Henry that is the potent weapon on your team. And then two, three weeks before the playoffs, he gets injured or now you got Leonard Fournette out and, and possibly others, Chris Godwin and, and some of these other guys that are out. I like the home field advantage having earned through the year, especially in a league where you don't get any cash for winning the season outright. You just get a first round buy. That's nice, but that's still not necessarily going to guarantee you, uh, you know, you get anything. one hot team, right? Any, it doesn't guarantee you anything. Uh, you get one hot team that comes in that has been just barely making the playoffs or whatever. They've got a healthy team that may be who ends up winning the whole thing. So I like the, the home field advantage, something that you earn from the regular season that you can carry over into the playoffs. Um, I don't, I, I really like, I've had some where it's a two week final so that it's not just the one and done, but if you make it to the final, it's the culmination of the two weeks. And especially with the extended week this year in the NFL, there's no reason why you can't do that. Yeah. And uh, the home field advantage, there's a few different ways to do it. I really like the one. There's one league I'm in where if you're the higher seed and the other team actually has more points. So obviously you finished with a higher record or how all play or whatever was the regular season methodology. What there that if the other team has the higher points per game, then there's no home field advantage. It's a straight up matchup. And then if you're the higher team, and this really affects the dominant team, right? I mean, if you're going to be plus 15, 20, 30 points per game, you should. I mean, I am I am I just that you should have a big tactical advantage going into these weeks and you could have it throughout. You could have it just in the first round. You can do, again, just calculate that on a per week basis. And I even saw in the MFL software, for example, it's an easy way to just put in home field advantage. Like I had one of mine, it just, it literally was at the bottom plus X number of points. And so the scoring, you don't even have to do it back of the napkin after the matchup or just know I'm plus 17 or whatever. You just know, but it really could be an extra player or two in your lineup. And it's just another uh, another method to a uh, reward the better teams because if you're not going to provide an in-season a uh, regular season prize structure for you know number one seed or whatever whatever you want to have it all go and funnel to the playoffs you should have uh, some some way to stack that and then the other part is that uh, again I just feel like you know underdog is something that should be embraced, you know, and, and it could actually be an extra player or two in your lineup by, by the scoring. Now we do have some moving pieces and who knows tonight with four more teams playing might have um, extra moving pieces going into week 16, but Tampa Bay was, as you already mentioned it with Tom Brady, Mike Evans, uh, the game heard around the world, which is shut out, um, firmly silenced by the saints. But for us beyond that week and the dud fantasy performances is coming out of it where are we now? Um, I just read a few minutes ago. So Leonard Fournette likely to go on IR, which means, and, and we were probably trending in that direction. Tampa Bay 
might be thinking obviously about the playoffs more so than getting the number one seat. You know, that the number one seat, but they have a pretty easy schedule. So let's not discount that. So they may not need <laughs> their full horses. And their most next most important game is going to be sometime in January. So Leonard Fournette likely to IR. That was expected. They signed Le'Veon Bell. It's expected to be Ronald Jones, Le'Veon Bell, and some version of of Keyshawn John, uh, Keyshawn Johnson, Keyshawn Vaughn, which I know, you know, relatively young player probably doesn't have the Tom Brady trust. You've got Chris Godwin, he's out for the full rest of the season. You got Mike Evans. Are you going to trust him in week 17 if he comes back and misses one game? That's going to be a dicey start. I think you kind of have to assume all those players, we're not going to see them for the fantasy. Obviously, Mike Evans is the last one remaining. So where do we stand with what's left as these were all key players? You've got Antonio Brown potentially back in the fold this week. I absolutely am banking on Antonio Brown being a big factor now that Chris Godwin is out. They're playing the Panthers. They're playing the Jets. So they do, as you mentioned, have a very easy schedule. Tyler Johnson, possibly. Um, I do like the clarity that Leonard Fournette is out rather than game time decision. Do I pick somebody up off waivers? What's the deal? Struggling with that. Now we have clarity. So at least there's that. I hate that he's out. He's an important part of a lot of my championship runs, but now at least I can adjust and move on. And I'm going to move on without Keyshawn Vaughn for sure. But then the question is, is it Ronald Jones? Is it Le'Veon Bell or a combination of the two? Does anybody really get enough impact at the running game now? I trust Tom Brady explicitly with they've already got a good connection with Antonio Brown. So I'm not worried about starting him. Most cases, I'm not going to worry about Mike Evans unless they say that he tweaked it again in practice. At this point, it's slim pickings and you got to start your studs really, even if they're a little banged up. I'd rather go down that way than to go down by trying to get a little too cute. Yeah. A wide receiver. Tyler Johnson saw a huge uptick in snaps last week. And then Scott Miller would be the two relevant, as you mentioned, Antonio Brown would be back. Um, And that would be probably your big three. Jalen Darden would mix in as well. Gronkowski, you're thinking Cameron Brait might see a little bit of factor there. The one biggest question I have is Ronald Jones in terms of how much passing game work is he going to get? Because if it's not much, Leonard Fournette was absolutely a trusted security blanket. I mean, he was making every play, every catch up until he turned into a helicopter um, on that hit. And so I just wonder, are we going to see, again, Brady just get the ball out hot, you know, a lot. And frankly, Chris Godwin was taking over that Antonio Brown role. So if you superimpose that back to Brown, that's going to be highly viable. That, that could potentially be a wide receiver one, no question about it, for the next two weeks as we finish up our season. I just think running back, you're probably looking at Ronald Jones, a touchdown-centric play. You, you worry about the empty calorie touches of like, oh, he's going to get 18 carries for 78 yards. He looks pretty good. But if he doesn't get the touchdown, he's sitting there at eight, nine points. You know, So that's the danger, I think, with Ronald Jones. He's not going to get peppered. And so Le'Veon Bell is probably going to be, dare I say, more trusted right away. I mean, he could be trusted more this week in pass protection assignments than Ronald Jones. 
And so that means you take all that away. It's almost like what we assume from Geo, Geo, you know, before he was hurt that, you know, if Fournette is out, Geo is going to take away all that receiving stuff. So I think Ronald Jones with 32 teams playing, we, you know, he may not be as much of an auto start as people might be thinking to begin the week, just because if you take away the receiving work, that's a major factor in a Tom Brady offense. I agree with you 100%, but I think also there may be some teams where I'd rather have that dart throw than right. some of the other dart throws. Well, there's two touchdowns potential. Uh, yeah, big offense. And again, you could get 150 yards. And these are three, two games with Carolina. It's a pretty good defense, but still you figure Tampa Bay positive game script should win and the Jets easily so. So you're talking about a, a uh, they could maybe keep things close to the vest on offense and, and Jones could be a multiple touchdown threat. Yeah. Right. So I would have less trepidation starting Ronald Jones versus, like I said, some of the other dart throws that are out there or some of the guys that you could pick up potentially off the waiver wire. Um, would you pick up Le'Veon Bell on the chance that Ronald Jones gets hurt this week? Absolutely. Okay. On the one week perfect storm, Tim Hightower type scenario of like, you figure Keyshawn Vaughn has been around there for now close to two seasons, but that's a variable. It's going to be really, really interesting to see Le'Veon Bell versus Keyshawn Vaughn in that secondary role this week. The reason that I say that is Tom Brady is the kind of quarterback that could very easily, Le'Veon Bell is a great receiver and I'm sure Tom could bring him up to speed pretty quickly on what he wants him to do, where he wants him to Maybe be and, stay and that house. little dump off and then just let him do his stuff. What? Maybe you could stay at Brady's house. Yeah. Just uh, yeah, rent a room for a couple, two, three weeks here. Have a little bit of avocado ice cream and some exactly. And, and, and talk shop, talk, talk Omaha's. Um, all right. Uh, next thing would be how tough was it <laughs> watching Ramondre Stevenson that this past week taught, and that's part of what made week 15 crazy. You get to the weekend and you go, okay, Damien Harris inactive and Ramadre Steven. Listen, let's fire this up. Brutal, brutal dud game. And that's, he is just one example amidst partial games for folks of it turned into uh, a week of general low scoring. So Ramadre Stevenson, where again, negative game script, that was a variable that I don't like to get into predicting positive and negative game script, but it turned negative against the Colts. But then Ramondre Stevenson also, uh, was it a fumble or a drop? I think it was one of each or something. Like anyway, so Ramondre Stevenson, clunky game overall as well. And the one game where you go, I need you to play clean, big boy. Well, exactly. I, I watch NFL Red Zone, so I don't watch the entire game of any game unless it's like a evening game where it's the only one out there. So I didn't get to see a lot of that. All I, you know, when I did check the scores, I was like, what in the heck? He's got all this opportunity. And I was hoping he wouldn't fumble early or do something that would put him in the doghouse early. And it looks like, sounds like that's exactly what happened. And plus the negative game script, which I knew the Colts had a tough defense, but you still, with a with a prime situation like that, again, you can't predict it all the time. I still think the I still think the process was pretty sound, which is you have a you have Brandon Bolden in his role, and you had Harris 
and Stevenson kind of sharing that other 70, 80%. And you figure if, if one of them is going to monopolize it, then that's a good start to make. And especially since Stevenson was found money. And you feel better probably about Stevenson alone as opposed to Harris with Stevenson there in that number two role. Um, it, it's sort of that uh, Alexander Madison effect. So um, yeah, that that was definitely one of them that, again, process versus outcome, I think is something that we get to late in the year here. And when when people get a dud performance somebody from somebody, that's when they swear somebody off, right? They get to the off season, they're like, I'm not drafting so-and-so, you know, or like next year for redraft. They remember this stuff. They're like an elephant. They remember everything. And they get to next August, September. And it's like, that was a one-game scenario. That was a two-game scenario. And the sample size alert needs to be going off in your head about the strong finish, the the you know cold finish, and so-and-so screwed me out of a title, that type of stuff. It's a team game. It's a team game. If Stevenson comes up small, I have teams with Evans that won, and I have teams with Evans that lost. And not one time do I look at that going, oh, well, I should have played you know, so-and-so. No, Mike Evans is an auto start. He's like a 98% start rate guy. And it's like, no, you don't regret that. You know, and you don't regret small performances. That's why you go through the process of setting your lineup and don't look back. I mean, every once in a while, I got a true 50-50. But I mean, most of the time, you started your guy and it doesn't mean the outcome is going to align with that. That's uh, that's the oblong ball at play. Well, right. And a, a great book for people to read in the off season, if you haven't yet, is a book called Thinking in Bets by Annie Duke. Scott Connor turned me on to that. And it's very similar. Poker is a lot like fantasy football. You can have a bad beat, but you're, you're taking the percentage shot and the percentage shot is somebody can still suck out on the river and, and, and win. That doesn't mean that you've made the wrong play. You made the right bets. You made the right play, uh, everything, but there are bad beats. This was just a bad beat. I think with, with Ramondre Stevenson, I would a hundred percent start him over any of the Detroit lions backfield. For example, uh, do you go with Craig? Do you go with Jamar Jefferson? Do you go with, uh, Jamal Reynolds, Williams, whatever is the other yeah. new name is, but yeah, it's like it was a prime situation and it just didn't pan out. Yeah. Um, and, and that's the thing, a process over results. And, and I think poker is a great analogy. Sometimes you see, you know, your opponent plays some dark horse sleeper and they come through, you know, and other times they get one target and, and that's the way it goes. They are a higher variance play. And every once in a while, the blind, you know, the blind dart throw is going to hit the bullseye there and score 25, 30 points. And that really is a major difference. But you know what? I, week 15 was also the week where I saw some lineups in the playoffs that had Lamar Jackson in there. I had some lineups I saw with Damian Harrison there. Some of these players, they were ambiguous going through the weekend. And I, I said, I jokingly say, you know, you got 1.0 lineups on Thursday, but I was like, this is the week you're going to have 4.0, 5.0 lineups, you know, because you're pretty much going through every single day so on, you know, activity and always having an out. And, and I think we're going to play that the next two weeks as well. Have outs. And you talk about all the time, taking the earlier player if you can. Reducing your... like, And that's basically just, let's play smart. Let's try to hit some doubles. Let's try to hit some doubles and holding out. And I know we got all the way to Tuesday. And it seems like I checked the news. I mean, we're pretty much... you know The Antonio Gibson decisions when we were making that on Saturday or Sunday versus guys 72 hours ago... Again, there was a lot of risk. What's going to happen? Could this game get moved? And everyone, every platform said these games will not count on week 15 if they get moved uh, to even one day. 
So there was a lot of risk or a COVID positive. We saw it with Tyler Higby. Uh, what was it? A week or t- a couple weeks ago, you know, that it was the day of. So man, you know, you, you hold out for Lockett or any of these Rams players or uh, Miles Sanders or whoever, and you have to use almost a ratio, a multiplier, because we're used to Monday, we're used to Sunday kickoffs and we are used to the information. And now when you're so far out on Tuesday, the variables will high. Now, again, I, that's going to go process versus results. If Antonio Gibson ends up having a monster game, it's like, well, I started you know, the, the slightly lower option on Sunday and they ended up scoring a five. There's a lot of moving pieces to blaming the process there where, again, let's put us on how confident we were Antonio Gibson was going to play two, three days ago. I think you do have to recalibrate your projections based on everything that was going on this week. The other thing that adds to the complication to this year, this is the first year that we've pushed our playoffs back by an extra week because the NFL has an extra week. I don't remember being this busy setting lineups, making changes right around Christmas when you're either traveling or trying to be with family or getting shopping done. And there's a lot of people, as you mentioned, I see lineups with guys that were out And probably because that person was out with family doing something, getting ready for Christmas, busy, busy, and just doesn't have the time to devote at the most critical time of the year for your fantasy team and for the results of getting paid. And then all of a sudden, there goes your week, there goes your year based on just this one happening. Yeah. And and I will say what could have saved time this week, because I always say it's a push pull is you're probably not making trades. And the other part is, you say be very proactive about putting in your uh, kickers or defenses and being proactive with getting those matchups. Two, three weeks ago, you talked about it on this show about making sure you have all your streaming matchups you wanted uh, with special teams and defense set up. So that was going to be uh, the major the major factor going into 15, 16, and 17, this gauntlet. Um, so yeah, very good information there. But if you only have an hour, just to say, you cut up that pie during the week. And if you could spend a little less time on waivers and you already spent a, a little bit to put together those those puzzle pieces uh, for, for your defenses, then hopefully you can spend an extra couple minutes to make sure you just triple check your lineups every single day, seemingly this week. Um, the, the last major topic I wanted to discuss is the Denver Broncos. And we saw with Teddy Bridgewater, he got hurt. We're going to have Drew Locke probably this week and maybe for the rest of the fantasy season, which is only two more weeks. Um, but I find that they are one of the more fascinating offenses. When you look at the skill position talent outside of quarterback, it's strong. It's strong and it's deep. And that's why they've been talking about it for months now and why it's appealing for for veteran quarterbacks as a potential trade signing, just an upgrade there in some regard. But I I think the dynasty implications here for guys like Jerry Judy, they bring back Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick. They got Noah Fant. Albert Akawebenum is very good. I mean, you're talking about all this talent. And to me, it hinges on the quarterback position because frankly, the running backs have been performing this, this year, but the passing game has not. And there's no other way to slice it other than saying it's a quarterback issue of upside. I mean, you drop Aaron Rodgers into here and it's like, you know, it's Tampa Bay West. I mean, in terms of how well they are producing, in my opinion, but yet you drop Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater into it. And 
I mean, when I started running 2022 plus projections at wide receiver, I was like, really? I was like, really? Jerry Judy didn't come out super high, you know, and Corlin Sutton didn't come out super high. And a part of that is just thinking situationally, they're, they're sucking the life out of each other on all on the same team. And where's the quarterback? Yeah, it's been very frustrating. And I, I did have to start Jerry Judy in a couple of spots this week. And I kept looking to see, is he hurt? Like he's not getting any targets. He's been a target maven of late. And then I was like, oh, Teddy Bridgewater's banged up. He's the one that's hurt. And now Drew Locke is in. Uh, it was so frustrating. And there's not anything you can do. Situation does change. Um, so that, yes. that is one, one, uh, one moniker we say all the time. So, But the one thing that makes it, you think it's not changing is that they brought back all those guys. You know, They brought back Tim Patrick. They didn't have to. This reminds me of Aaron Jones. You didn't have to do that. Jerry Judy 2022 breakout was going to be a common, common article. And now with Sutton back, with, with Patrick there, they're going to get KJ Hamler, who's been forgotten. But I was just looking. I mean, in per game, Denver Bronco wide receivers, Patrick, 54, Corlin Sutton, 59, Jerry Judy, 63. None in the top 50. Talented guys. You had Noah Fant, tight end 14. Albert O, tight end 29. That's a lot of aggregate production, but it's spread over five guys. So that's the frustrating part to me. So the whole it's changing part, you got what three or four included if four included if you include Hamler on rookie contracts, those aren't changing. So I, I don't that's the frustration to me. If they don't get a quarterback, I really do think in the next 12 months, there may be a hemorrhage in terms of Jerry Judy's market value where he could become a real good profile buy. Just because if you're thinking out multiple years and saying, this will eventually change. He came in at 21 years old. He was on the success track after year one, but year two, year three, this could be a, who knows, a Juju Smith-Schuster type situation of just saying like, yeah, I, I just, I like the early signs, but you might have to wait a while to actually get it. Yep. And I, I definitely would be on board with buying low on him in the, in the off season or in a startup, getting him for a, a steal. Uh, I mean, he might drop to being like a contender second in season next year when he's not producing to a requisite, like he's not in lineups. I think that's where we're trending. If they don't get a Wilson, uh, Aaron Rodgers, uh, you know, a Matt Stafford to the Rams type move here from the Broncos. I think that's where we're headed. We're headed for no wide receiver potentially in the top 40 or 45 like we are this year. So we'll see. I, I just um, can we can we finish up talking about a little senior bowl? This yeah, isn't sure. a formal senior bowl preview, but I'm officially excited. I was looking at the we're close to final rosters, or at least we're, we will have replacements with maybe injuries or just players changing their mind or whatever. But for an ambiguous quarterback class, we got we got all the hits coming to mobile like these are this is actually if you could just drop in you know that uh that kid game where you get the the stuffed animal with the claw that comes down and you end up paying 19 dollars to get the 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 tiger because you're you're just so frustrated you can't get it it just slips out every time but i feel like we have all the quarterbacks we want in that bin and we're going to be able to see them spin it all together uh between these quarterbacks um putting it down here we've got uh, we've got Desmond Ritter, we've got Carson Strong, 
Malik Willis. Uh, you've got Brank, Bailey Zappi. Yeah, and, and, and Kenny Pickett is the big one. That You've got all of them. They have five quarterbacks. We'll see if they get a sixth. Um, but man, seeing them go back to back, I mean, those are, you know, outside of Corral and maybe one or two others, that's the group of guys fighting potentially for QB1 for first round. Uh, this is a lot of ammo and a lot of notoriety here just at the quarterback position alone that frankly, if I was creating a list of guys I want to see in person and see the same routes, same throws back to back and do that analytical eye like Baker Mayfield, that, that's exactly what I want to see uh, down in Mobile from these guys that, that frankly, I have, uh, I got some questions. I got some questions and, and I want answers. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And I think that this, this year at quarterback is going to be a down year for Superflex. So the ability to see these guys in practice, talk to them, and then see them during the game is going to be very valuable, I believe, to helping avoid some mistakes that I think other people might make that won't be there. One well, find value, right? I mean, let's who is going to be the right. undervalued player? You know, it looks like, and again, it's very early, but it looks like the saying Mac Jones was the value play last year. Why is he drifting so easily to QB five of the class? That is looking like, you know, the late first, the early second point in Superflex, where uh, most of the other guys were going a half around higher. That looks like it, it you know, it was the value play um, profile wise at the time. But we didn't get to see Mac Jones, you know, at the senior bowl or anything like that. But this year, who knows? You know, who's going to be that guy that ends up going high enough in the draft that we feel good about? We saw them throw, you know, 100 balls, you know, at the, at the senior bowl week or, or probably more. And also, I wanted to give a shout out to a guy that we were tracking years ago, actually away from football. He's back uh, in 2021 and saw him now on the senior bowl roster. How cool is it going to be for Grant Calcaterra? to be a part of the process of someone we discussed Debbie land years ago with Oklahoma. Now he finishes up at SMU. I actually took him out of the projection model because guess what? He wasn't even playing football. He's back playing and he's got all the way to a senior bowl, bowl invite. That's pretty cool as well. Yeah. I'm, I'm of all the wide receivers uh, and tight ends. Grant Calcaterra is one I'm looking forward to. I'm also very much looking forward to Jahan Dotson yes. uh, from Penn state. Guy, and, guy can run her out. Yeah, I've seen Reggie Roberson from SMU live, and he is, I think, under the radar. He's he's going to be somebody, I think, that could shine during that week. We'll see. Yeah, there's always three or four wide receivers and tight ends where I look at the roster and be like, you know, I haven't really been tracking these guys. Like, I recognize the name. And then I start digging into their profile, and I'm like, oh, you know, I get why, I get why they have an invite. Now, I yeah. don't know if that means I'll ever have them in dynasty, or I don't know what that means, but I do know it means there's a good reason they're going to be in mobile and, and let's see what they got. You know, and, and generally we're talking about every once in a while, we're talking about a, a round one guy, but usually there's maybe a day two guy or two, a lot of day three guys. Um, but yeah, this, the, the wide receivers, I had to put six or seven in and I wanted to do it before, but you mentioned Jahan Dotson as probably that biggest name out there. Um, that, Dario Drummond is another one. Don oh, Drummond from I, dug, I spent about 20, 25 minutes just digging up because he went uh, he went the community college route, right? Yeah. He went community college to Old Miss and he's got a lot of good stuff. Like he's, I'm he's very interested. Guys. I'm very yeah. interested to see him. And I know he's on the older side, 
But I, I think if Cooper Cup taught us anything, uh, you know, be okay with the 23, 24, 25 year old wide receiver because if they're quote unquote pro ready, uh, I, sometimes getting the 21 year old wide receiver that takes them forever and you still don't know what you have because they're so raw and developmental. That's that's as bad as getting a guy that oh they're too old. Well, wouldn't you rather get a wide receiver? You at least find out right away if they're good or not. And who knows? We might we might get that clarity at the Senior Bowl in and of itself. And I will say for the tight end class, you kind of mentioned you know down year. I think it's a down year for tight end, but at least the names that have good profiles that I'm interested in watching for a whole week, they are there. Those names, you know, guys like Cole Turner that a lot of people aren't tracking, or Trey McBride, who actually won the Mackey Award this year. Not a bad sign for a tight end to win the, the Mackey Award to close out as the best tight end uh, in the college planet. Uh, so a lot of people don't know about Trey McBride. I thought he might come out last year. Jeremy Rucker, how about a guy that hasn't produced a whole lot, but might end up being the best talent there, certainly from a high pedigree program. You got Isaiah Likely. I've been tracking him out of Coastal for a couple of years. A lot of people Charlie think Char- Kohler. Charlie Kohler might be the best tight end in the nation, You know that he could have been the one winning the Mackey. Um, so you get guys like that, Jake Ferguson, Calcaterra, as we mentioned. So it's a really good class. And our boy, Brian Robinson, yeah. he's going to be there yeah. among the running backs. So very cool to see an Alabama running back. We're going to see a Georgia running back too with James, yeah, James Cook. Cook. So I've, I've been watching him for years. I can't again, wait. I mean, th- this is honestly, I, I might say, because usually I eye roll, you know, maybe, you know, 25, 30% of of the skill position players where I'm like, eh. and I really try to go into it of being complete clean slate about everybody. I'm open to falling in love uh, with anybody. And I, but I really think top to bottom this year, this might be the deepest when you say there's not a lot of uh, a fat to, to try to cut out here and say, Oh, I'm not interested in this guy. I, I think there's, I think there's plenty of potential for, Three, four, five guys of any of these these skill position groups to separate themselves and and say I am the captain now, at least of the Senior Bowl, you know, closing that out and now early February. All right, uh, what about some final thoughts, Katie? Uh, I'll close out with the uh, UTH Best Ball Contest update here, but we've got Christmas, we've got semifinals. Basically, unless you're eliminated, all relevant teams in action this coming week. I am in Tucson, Arizona, visiting a dear friend of mine for this week for vacation and Christmas, and I'll get home uh, next week. But at a birthday party dinner the other night, I met a couple people. We were watching the Tampa Bay Buccaneers get dismantled by the Saints, but we had to watch it in reverse because there was a mirror and we weren't on the television side. But I was talking to this lady stephanie about football and she loves football probably as much as i do she had her fantasy football team there on her phone she was checking her scores she plays a lot of redrafts so i talked to her a little bit about the podcast so shout out to stephanie from tucson and then as i was leaving john was sitting at the end and he kind of overheard our conversation and about the senior bowl and he goes do you know the football guys? I listen to their podcasts a lot. I said, yes, I know Sigmund Bloom and I know Cecil Lammy and Matt Walbin. And in fact, uh, the podcast I was telling Stephanie about, Chad Parsons works for football guys too. And uh, we will be at the Senior Bowl. He goes, well, what's the name of your podcast? I want to listen to it. 
So we got two more listeners, Chad. And so hello, John and Stephanie from Tucson. It was great to meet you. And uh, John does play some Dynasty. Stephanie doesn't yet, but maybe she will. Yep. Dynasty applies to everybody. Makes you a better redraft player. And uh, honestly, redraft makes you a better Dynasty player as well. So yeah, welcome uh, new listeners and usually pick some new ones up. In January, once the off-season starts, people get all geeky. Some of those redraft shows shut down, shut down, and we pretty much just get rolling, and it's just a different time of the season, like going from fall to winter. Um, in the best ball contest update, uh, again, all the, the UTH uh, super fans are in there, so want to shout out to them always. And uh, my fantasy league for hosting, uh, donating the platform yet again, it's fourth, fifth, sixth year in a row. And again, I play, I play at my fantasy league. Uh, it's tremendous for organizational standpoints. If you want custom leagues, if you want Devi, uh, they offer so many perks compared to the other platforms that just, um, I would really have trouble recommending any other platform. If someone says, I want to play dynasty, where should I have my league? And to me, it's a no brainer over there at my fantasy league. Cause it just, it offers so much growth potential for your leagues or for whatever your creative mind desires. Um, the one thing uh, I will say, if you are going to play a college scoring league, you have to play at Fantrax because Fantrax has 5 trillion college players. They do an excellent job. If you are truly doing that campus to Canton type league where you're scoring college players and then they're going to transition to your NFL league, Fantrax is the place to go. Uh, but again, thank you so much to my fantasy league. And uh, this week, I'm actually in second going in. I think I have some outside chance to maybe win it, uh, but uh, I'm going to leave that alone. It looks like Matthew uh, Wheatcamp, I believe. If I mess that up, I apologize, but it looks like he's going to take it down and he's up in the top five or six. So this could be highly impactful because he can move up to potentially into the top two or three with this performance. Maybe move past the Beth Cats, Jacob, Keith, and Grant up there at the top. But uh, Matthew, what a week. He got Mark Andrews. He's been an absolute monster in this format where it's too tight end. It's premium scoring all around. Did lose Leonard Fournette uh, with a partial game. And obviously for the rest of the fantasy season here, Brandon Cook, shout out, one of our favorites, uh, two touchdown game. He had one late. So if you ended up winning, know that Brandon Cooks came up big, basically clinched the game in the final two, three minutes there for uh, Houston. AJ Dillon's been solid. Devontae Booker actually made his lineup. He's got Jared Goff. Shout out to the Lions playing playing feisty and strong here to close the year and frankly th throughout the year. Big win over the Cardinals. But Jared Goff, uh, Mac Jones, uh, Brandon Cooks, as I mentioned, Marcus Valdez Scanling. Good game from him finding the lineup as well. So, Matthew, congrats. It looks like you're going to take it down. You got a big lead over everybody except me. And I, I think I have to have Sony Michelle or something that goes off for two, three touchdowns or some monster game for me to even challenge uh, Matthew here at the gun on Tuesday night. All right. So that's going to do it. You can follow Katie on Twitter at FF underscore Skylar 399. I am at Chad Parsons NFL reminder about UTHdynasty.com. You like this show. You want to hear more. I'm closing in on 300 premium shows for 2021. And that's become the norm. You want to hear about the draft coming up. You want to hear about startup drafts. You want to hear about making your team better through trading, through profile analysis, going into the off season and UTH dynasty is the place to be. And uh, happy holidays to everybody. Uh, it's going to be another wild ride in week 16. And Katie said it before, I'll say it again, just be pragmatic and just know those extra one, two, three minutes a day of before kickoff, the 90 minutes before, at least knowing who's active, who's inactive, and you may need to make 
a roster move, you may need to make a lineup move and thinking about the variables at play when you go two, three days out from your current decision. All those are key and that can absolutely be the difference this year between winning and losing. Good luck, everybody, in your matchups this week. And until next time, never settle, refuse the average, keep building those dynasties. All of the rest. (laughs) All of the running backs. (laughs)